return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. So I'm titling the message, Renew Your Mind. Can't cover it all in one time, so we'll just plan part one right from the beginning here. So how are you doing on your New Year's resolutions, folks? Uh, what? I think that happens when you get old. <laughs> You're not old, are you, Roger? <laughs> I remember when I was a new believer, I used to make this long list. A long list. Yeah, according to the Internet, the top five for years now have been exercise more, lose weight, Start a new hobby or a new skill. Get organized. Save money. They're not bad goals, guys. Wouldn't hurt us to make a few. There's three new ones that are showing up for 2021. The first one, I think, is quite interesting. Set your sights on your mental health. Hmm, it probably fits in a little bit with what we're going to be talking tonight. Number two, do something about your sleep routine. But you guys are all smart and sleep at night, right? <laughs> and number three, clean up that mess in your living room. What are they talking about? Like I said, when I was a young believer, I made quite a list of New Year's resolutions. I was reading that Jonathan Edwards, who is responsible for the Great Awakening, when he was 19 years old, he had a list of 70, 70 resolutions. Probably more about moral improvements, right? And it's not a bad thing for us to want to live a little more holy, a little more pleasing unto the Lord. God is not a legalist, but he is into holy living. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it doesn't come from willful decisions, like you don't just sit, say to yourself, I will do this and I won't do that. No, it's really about devotion to Christ. I was explaining to somebody the other day who was a little bit troubled about this business of walking with Christ, and I said something I had actually heard from someone else. <laughs> well, maybe who's seen The Chosen? Have you gotten to see the DVD series, The Chosen? It really is marvelous, guys. It just really is wonderful. But you don't see Jesus calling the disciples and saying, now straighten out. You get rid of this habit and you start talking a little bit different. And, and you, you've got to get rid of that pet sin of yours. And No. All you hear him say is, follow me. Follow me. It's really about pure devotion and it's when we fall in love with Jesus. And the deeper we fall in love with Jesus, the other stuff is just going to fall by the wayside. I don't know if we have any athletes in the house or musicians. Ah. 
You know, most of us only dabble in these things, enough basketball to be decent, enough swimming to pass the test, enough practice to get into the band. But what if we pursued being the best, like the best? Well, then we're talking about a whole lot of practice, a whole lot of physical conditioning, as well as mental conditioning. I believe this is the summer for the Olympics. Is that right? So we're going to be seeing some young people who are even at this point preparing hardcore, like hardcore. And did you know when they go to the Olympics, they have their specific sport coach because they want to be the best. They want to master every one of, they want to master their sport. But they also take along a nutritional coach because it matters what you eat. Duh. The brain, the body is made to function at its best on a certain diet. They also take along with them a mental coach. Did you know that? Because it matters what you think. Aha. Uh-huh. And you know what? Oh, I think I gave you that scripture, didn't I? First Corinthians 9.12. Uh, sorry, 9.25. From the Message Bible. These people who put in so many hours of physical conditioning and perfecting their sport and mentally changing how they think, they do it for what? A gold medal, silver medal, brass medal that tarnishes and fades. We're after one that's gold eternally. Glory to God. And then Paul explains, he says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. I'm staying alert and in top condition. How can living for Jesus demand anything less from us, friends? We've got to take seriously this business of how we think and this whole matter of renewing our minds. I find a lot of people, they sort of think that this living for God business is sort of like magic. Like if I just pray really hard. You've heard people use that phrase? If they pray really hard or pray a lot of hours or if they get their Bible off the shelf finally and peek at it, then, oh, now God's going to have to do this thing for me that I need him to do so that I can just go on and live the way I want to live. People aren't studying the word of God. They aren't worshiping and praising. They aren't tithing. What did I read the other day? 95% of the body of Christ isn't even paying tithes. That means only 5% are. And yet, we are expecting God to just do your thing, God. Come on, come on. But what we sow is what we reap, friends. And if we're constantly sowing to the flesh, we're going to reap, what does the Bible say? Death and destruction. But if we will sow to the Spirit, if we'll dig into the word of life, our spirit men will be enlarged and even our minds are renewed. First uh, John 1, verse 10. I, was, I ran across this little verse this morning. That little phrase at the end of verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I think it's NIV that says the word doesn't have place in us. And so just so you get a little bit of this context, starting verse 7, then will we be able to do 7, 8, 9, 10? Okay. 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, this is just a tiny example of what happens when you start renewing your mind. Just this morning when I was reading this, 
then I saw on my my big Bible off to the side, like, the Greek for cleanses here is a present tense verb, which means it's a continual cleansing and a continual fellowship and a continual protection. Hallelujah. And verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not, there's that phrase again, in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. There's that word again from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And here's this phrase again, his word is not in us. This is what God's up to. He wants his word to be in us. Hallelujah. But in fact, friend, this task of renewing our minds is really our task. We can't even ask God to renew our minds because it's our responsibility. Let's look at the verse here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We're reading it from the New King James. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The King James says, be ye transformed. Like, it is a command. And I'm sure you've already heard teaching on this, but this is the very same word. That word transformed in the Greek is metamorpho, which is the identical work in the word in the Greek that shows up in the transfiguration accounts of Jesus on the mountain. In fact, ah, let's look at that. There's... Um, Matthew chapter 17 shows one of the transfiguration accounts, and Mark chapter 9, and both of these actually use the word metamorpho. Jesus was transfigured in front of them. But the one I'm going to take you to is from Luke's account, chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at it from the Passion Translation. We're not going to see the word transformation or transfiguration or this metamorpho word but I just love how it's explained here because hopefully it will stir a little want to in you to get your mind renewed. Did we find that? Luke, there we go. All right. Eight days later, Jesus took Peter, Jacob, and John. Just so you know, in, know, in the Passion Translation, they always call James Jacob. And he's got a really good reason, but I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> So eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he climbed to a high mountain to pray. As he prayed, his face began to glow until it was a blinding glory streaming from him. Can you imagine being there and seeing this? His entire body was illuminated with a radiant glory. His brightness became so intense that it made his clothing blinding white like multiple flashes of lightning. Now, if I said nothing else tonight, this should make every one of us go home and think, listen, man, I've got to work at this renewing of my mind stuff because I want that happening in my life. I want that happening in my life to have that veil removed so that we could see and experience the glory of God Brightness that's so intense that it made his clothing, blinding white, multiple flashes of lightning. Wow, I'd love to experience the radiance and the splendor of Christ. Even in the context like this was, in prayer, conversation with my Lord. 
but there's even more involved. There's something that the Bible calls the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, which can affect our entire lives. So I think she's already got verse 34 up here. While Peter was speaking, now Peter got a little um, excited when he saw all this. I think every one of us would too. And he starts blabbing and talking and, okay, I've got this idea. Let's do this and let's build these little tents and tabernacles. And while he's talking, a radiant cloud of glory formed right above them and overshadowed them. And as the glory cloud enveloped them, they were struck with fear. Well, that's probably more like awe and wonder. But friends, this overshadowing, this is a specialty of the Holy Spirit. This is the specialty of the Holy Spirit, to be enveloped, to be cocooned, to be covered and wrapped in his glory, surrounded by his arms of love, covered and hidden with Christ. Colossians 3.3 3 says that every one of us are hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. But what I need you to see is that this is directly in proportion to this experience of metamorpho. Romans 12.2 makes it very clear, especially in the Greek, where the Holy Spirit urges us, you, you take responsibility now. You be intentional about getting your minds renewed because that is what's going to lead to transformation. Now, this overshadowing word occurs uh, a couple other times in Scripture. Let's look here at Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And I know there's going to be some that will say, uh-uh, uh-uh, the scripture has nothing to do with you and me. But I would like you to just dare to listen. All right? Luke 1, 35, Mary is just being told that she's going to be conceiving the child Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And the angel answered and says to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Now, why can't we take this for ourselves, friends? Yes, a very holy thing happened that day when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she conceived the child, Jesus. But it's the same Holy Spirit, friends. It's the same Holy Spirit that can envelope us and overshadow us. And notice what it says, Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. I declare and decree that's what's coming in your life, what's being born of you, what's going to be shown, manifest, and disclosed in your life. People are going to attribute to the Holy Son of God. Hallelujah. Now this word overshadowing also shows up with Peter. Peter, who had such an anointing on him that wherever he went and whenever people got in his shadow, they were healed. Acts chapter 5, 15. Again, we're going to read this from the Passion Translation. It says, in fact, when people knew that Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out to the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him. Wow, friends, did you see that phrase? Incredible power emanating from him. We can have that same anointing in our lives. And there it says, so that that power would overshadow them and heal them. Glory to God. Now, we can have the same anointing in our lives, friends. The word of God becoming flesh, taking up residence in our minds and in our hearts. 
the same Holy Spirit that wrote the words of life. He can breathe life into us. How? How? Because the living, breathing word of God is full of life. It releases energy and power. And I don't know about you, but that's that's really what I want. That's what I believe God is looking for, that distinguishing quality that we walk down the street and somebody knows the power of God is on her. The power of God is on him. And friends, this can only happen when the presence of the Holy One permeates everything we say and do. It only happens when our minds are renewed by the washing of the word of God over our minds and our hearts. Now, there's one more thing, a big thing that happened that day at the Transfiguration. Can we go back to Luke chapter 9 then? Um, Verse 35. Then the voice of God thundered from within the cloud. This is my son, my beloved one. Listen carefully to all that he has to say. So friends, this is another result of having our minds renewed, is that we begin to hear the voice of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I I think that's probably one of the number one needs that we have right now in 2021, is we must hear the voice of our Father, and we must be led by the Holy Spirit and not our flesh. And then verse 36, when the thunderous voice faded away and the cloud disappeared, Jesus was standing there alone. King James puts it like this, they saw no man save Jesus only. That's another result, friends, of being transformed, of being metamorphosed. We are enabled to see the invisible one. And to focus on him. And I often think of the story. I'm working with the kids right now on Wednesday nights in the book of Esther. It is powerful. But that banquet that she invited the king to. Here is Esther and here's the king. But right beside the king is the enemy. The wicked, vile Haman. Who's already got a plot and a plan to kill Esther and all of her people. And yet Esther is able to focus and look at and gaze at her king. And that's what you and I have got to learn how to do. To keep our eyes on our king. The psalmist puts it like this, Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But we've got to get ourselves to the table, friends. Hallelujah. So that's my introduction to get you excited about the possibilities, the glorious plan of God to transform us and to make us completely into brand new people. Now, this process of being metamorphosed has another theological term called sanctification. There's a lot of definitions out there, but I think my favorite and the most profound is really sanctification is becoming what we already are. Because our spirit man, friends, once we're born again, we are perfect righteousness in Christ. We have all the peace, all the victory, all the glory, all the perfection of Jesus Christ within us. We, our spirit man is never afraid, never defeated, never insecure, never. 
Hallelujah. And then God has set up this process called sanctification, metamorphu, transformation, to get our minds and our will and our emotions caught up with our spirit man. And the only way that happens, friends, is when we get into the word of God and let him renew our minds. And I repeat, friends, it's not God's job. It's ours. It's our task to get into the word, the word that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's our task to position our hearts and our minds to receive the life-giving, life-altering instruction from heaven. Now, I, I think even in my intro, I gave you several reasons to, that hopefully we want to renew our minds. Hopefully we want to be transformed. And uh, like I said, my message is going to have a part two. I think I speak again on the 20th of January, and I'll share a little bit more. But reason number one, I'll call it tonight, that we're going to go on now and talk about why we would want to renew our minds. And that is very simply that God wants us to prevail. God wants us to overcome, to prove more powerful than all of the opposing forces And friends, we've already been given the victory. Glory to God. We sang about it tonight. I think we sing about it in every single service. It can't get old. Hallelujah. We've already been given the victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I absolutely love this verse. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when Kevin Souter preached on this, and he spent the whole night on the first two words. Why? Because once we understand, that's all you can do is give God thanks. And if you're not thankful, then chances are you probably never really, it didn't click yet that we have been given the victory through Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37. I think we're in King James, right? It says, in all these things... Now, we could have a whole list here of all the lousy, crazy, rotten, yuck things that have been going on. Probably in your community, in your family, in our country, in other countries. And yet the Bible says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. The Greek word here is hupernikeo, which is... A couple things. It's all surpassing victory. It's a decisive victory. It means to vanquish beyond description. In other words, we win. Hallelujah. Now, you're not going to hear that on the evening news, friends. You aren't. But we've got to know it beyond a shadow of a doubt unless, and the only way we're going to know it That we know it, that we know it, that we know it. And be so sure of it that nothing will move us is when our minds are renewed and transformed with this truth from the living word of God. And I want to dare you to meditate on this. I want to dare you to see yourself victorious. I want you to see yourself winning. I'd love to dare you to declare and to decree and to believe it and to live it. Hallelujah. There's this beautiful little song I love to sing. I can't sing a whole lot right now with this cold, but I'm a conqueror and victorious. 
I'm reigning with Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places with him. I mean, that puts us, what, at least 30,000 feet higher? Yes, at least. Let's reign in Christ. Let's put ourselves with him in that high place. Let's actually believe that we are conquering, that we're victorious. And the kingdom of God, the rest of that little song is, the kingdom of God is within me. I know no defeat, only victory. Hallelujah. Romans 5.17, New King James says, whoops, I better wait for her. There we go. For if by one man's offense, death, excuse me, death reigned through just one person, much more those who receive the abundance of grace. Anybody in the house receive an abundance of grace? You sure it's not just a little trickle? No, it's an abundance of grace. And we've received of the gift of righteousness. We will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the Passion Translation. Oh, Essie, you're doing so good. Thank you, thank you. Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity, but now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace? Whew! Are you getting that? You are held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. Praise God for a super abundance of grace And it's yours. And it's mine. Grace to overcome. Grace to prevail. Grace to forgive. Grace to persevere. Grace to finish the race. Grace is power, my friend. Every time you run across this word grace in the scripture, it really has a double meaning. It's like two sides of the same coin. It is power. Divine power. But it's also favor. Divine favor, unmerited favor, ridiculous favor, that the presence of God would accompany us everywhere we go. Hallelujah. We are in a fixed game. Seriously. And the victory is already ours. But if we don't get ourselves in the word of God, if we don't meditate day and night on his promises and his faithfulness and his power, it's like having your computer hacked and People can steal people's identity. And that's exactly what happens if we are not paying attention. I know Americans who spend more time and money making sure their computer and their phone is protected than their own mind. We got to get our firewall up, friends. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We need a few virus scans by way of the Word of God. And we must keep up with the updates, right? Daily, they had to get their manna. Daily. And we've got to have the word. Hallelujah. So the book of Revelation spells out who wins. Hallelujah. And it's those of us who are in Christ. I want to share another scripture here from uh, Revelations chapter 5. Ten verses. Verses 1 through 10. 
This kind of is the, one of the ending stories here. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open this book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man, no man in heaven, no man in the earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book or even to look on it. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said to me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and I and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came, and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, Whew, every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation, and you have made unto you have made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. No one was worthy, friend. No one was worthy to open the book or loose those seals until the lion of Judah showed up. The one who left heaven, who died our death. The one who was the only one ever to face off with the devil himself and win. Glory to God. And he has completely dismantled the power of the enemy over us. We sang it tonight. Death could not hold him. Glory to God. And he did all this with a pure heart and a victorious spirit. He is the king and he has no rival. No matter how it goes down, friend, nothing can be compared to the glory that awaits us. Our Lion of Judah is already victorious. Hallelujah. And we are going to reign with him. Let's look at the Passion Translation. It says it just a tiny bit different here for verse 9 and 10. Nine and 10, please. Because you were slaughtered for us, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe and language and people group and nation. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Now this word reign here is pretty interesting. The commentators tell us again This is the same kind of word I was talking about earlier, present tense Greek verb, which means it's a continual 
a continual thing that has already begun. Now that should excite you a little bit. Most of us in the body of Christ have this idea like, okay, well, life, I'm just barely surviving about right now. And when Jesus comes back, then I'm going to be victorious. Then I'm going to reign. Then I'll be this king and priest in Jesus. No, the Bible says the reigning has begun. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. We have conquered in Christ's triumph. And we shall always conquer, friend. That hyper grace is unrivaled grace. We are more than a match for any foe. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? That means no power is greater than Jesus. There is no enemy that's greater. There is no force that's stronger than his. There is no power above the mighty Lion of Judah. There is no force that exists that's greater than the champion of Calvary. Now, there's so many reasons yet I want to talk to you about, about renewing our minds. We're not going to get to all of them tonight, but I want to share with you in the future the deep connection, for example, between living by faith and having our minds renewed. It's in, it's in exact proportion, friends. Or how about being delivered from fear and insecurity and the constant barrage of discouragement? Again, it's all connected to us getting our minds renewed. About accessing deeper and higher levels of peace and joy. And it's all connected to this matter of renewing our minds. God truly does want to shift the way we think even about the circumstances and the people. This is something that God really spoke to me recently about. Is Debbie, I want your mind changed about the people around you. I mean, God wants us so God-conscious, so God-conscious that people, we see them differently. We see them with eyes of love. We see them with faith like, Ooh, look at the potential there. Instead of, oh, what kind of person is that? No, God wants us to change the way we think. He wants us so God-conscious that the problems, the circumstances, the situations, we are automatically moving in faith and asking God to move, right? Hallelujah. And uh, truthfully, a lot of us have had it a little bit backwards in this walk with God. We thought that as soon as we were born again, that our life was going to be completely different. And, and our spirit man is totally different, yes. But there's got to be this changing of our mind, this renewing of our mind. Just like natural birth, most of us came head first. And God's way for us to come out of fear, out of insecurity, out of fruitlessness, You name your difficulty, we will come out in victory head first. First, aligning our minds in agreement with his word and his will. Friends, I need you to know again tonight, God has set you apart. You apart for his glory. To carry his kingdom wherever you go. Yes, we are just jars of clay. Nobody can tell just looking at us who we really are. But we are jars of clay that hold the treasure, the kingdom, the power. And it's crucial that our thoughts come into alignment with his. And how that can happen is, well, 
Got to get our minds renewed by the word of God. So, can we make a few declarations tonight? Before we do, um, I don't know if I gave you that scripture, maybe not. Romans chapter 12. I started with verse 2 earlier, but I'd like to just peek at verse 1. And maybe a lot of you are already familiar with it. But before we do the the, um, declarations, I want you to kind of know where I'm coming from. Romans chapter 12. Uh, nope, it doesn't. Well, King James, I guess, is what I got in front of me. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Anybody experience the mercy of God? Oh, hallelujah. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on and says, do not be conformed to the world, but be ye Transform. So, will you say it with me? We're going to declare. You ready? In view of God's great mercy, in my life, I offer my body as a living sacrifice. I choose this day and this entire year to be conformed. Not to this world, but to transformation of the God kind. Every time I read your word, every time I hear it preached, every time I sing it, every time I speak it, every time I declare it, I declare and decree. That I am being changed from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and from strength to more strength. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. His word, it's impossible that it doesn't work, friends. So we've just got to position our hearts and our minds to take it in. Lord, I love these people. I know you love them three times, four times, ten times more than I do. And Lord, you've got great plans for every one of us. So help us, Lord, to make time this week to sing it, to speak it, to mutter it, to meditate on it, to read it. And may your word do its great, wonderful work in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessings on you, and I'll be glad to pray with anybody who would like some agreement. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.